Before we get started, please know that this show does contain a brief explanation of an adult situation, so listener discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome to Grain to Plate, a podcast where we take a look at everything food from the first grain to the final plate. Thank you for listening to episode one, The Hustle. Now, as this is our first episode, we want to tell a story that is inspired by a personal experience of mine. It all started in the summer of 1989 in Long Beach, California. Now, growing up in Long Beach, California in the late 80s, early 90s was not easy. However, it's where I'm from, and it's where I grew up, and I'm very proud to be from Long Beach. In the summer of 1989, I had a friend named Charles. Now, Charles, like every kid in Long Beach, was poor and struggling to get by. He lived in a single-family home that he shared with two younger twin brothers, even younger sister, two women that he referred to as aunts, his mother, and a man that he told me was his stepfather. But what made Charles stand out was that he had a plan. He had a hustle. In the summer of 1989, he introduced me to that hustle. Now his hustle was pretty simple and straightforward. Stand outside in front of the local grocery store and ask people if they needed some assistance back to their car in exchange for a small gratuity, whatever they could offer. Now his approach was pretty rough, but with my unusually long eyelashes, and the southern charm I had picked up from my grandmother, we made a small success of it. Now the big difference between me and Charles was that I was using my share of the money to buy cheap toys and even cheaper hot dogs from the local convenience store. Charles, on the other hand, would sneak into the grocery store and buy lunch meat and cocktail wieners. And when he would see me look at him after he'd make these purchases, he would just shrug it off and say, that's what my siblings like. So I paid it no mind and we kept hustling. And each day, we got better. We would run plays, plans, figure out who to approach, who not to approach, how to approach certain people. As the summer went on, our business grew and money kept coming in. We went from dimes and quarters to quarters and dollars. Our approach got better, our hustle got stronger. One day, after a pretty successful day of hustling, we decided to call it early, head back to his place. He snuck in, grabbed the usual, and we headed out. As we approached his house, we saw a mailman's jeep parked outside, which at the time I didn't think to be too unusual. As we approached the door, a mailman came bursting out with Charles's mother right behind him, and she was screaming at the top of her lungs, I put my lips on your and you ain't give me no money? Now hearing a woman talk about the exchange of sexual favors for money wasn't new to me. Like I said, I grew up in Long Beach in the late 80s, early 90s. I was very familiar with the trade. However, I didn't personally know anyone who was in the trade, and I definitely didn't know a child of someone who was in the business. I went home and told my father about what happened, and he told me one day he would explain exactly what was going on. However, he told me that it was more important now than ever that I went back and kept hustling with Charles. I did as he told me to do. I went back, and we kept hustling. I never brought up the incident, but in some strange way, things started to make sense. Now, I'll be honest. There were a few days where Charles walked away with a bit of a larger split of the day's take. I don't know why I did it, but it just felt right. We kept hustling through the summer, and through the summer, it was quite the success. I consumed quite a bit of cheap hot dogs, and Charles bought quite a bit of lunch meat. We went back to school 
And two weeks after the start of our school year, social services came and Charles was gone. It was then that my father sat me down again and explained everything to me. See, Charles's mother was not just a woman struggling to get by. She was a sex worker with a drug addiction that was so fierce, it made her forget about the needs of her own children. The two women that Charles referred to as aunts were actually two fellow sex workers. And the man that I knew to be a stepfather was actually her pimp. Now, even looking back at it now, it's hard to believe that an eight-year-old would have the foresight to know that he wasn't the only one going hungry, that he had three other young mouths that needed to be fed. And while only eight, he was the oldest, and he needed to take care of his siblings. He needed to go out on the streets and hustle to make sure that they were fed. Now, while that experience was well over 20 years ago, there will always be people that are hungry and in need of help, but are not in a position to feed themselves. So to tell the story of how there are those still out there hustling to feed others in need, we decided to go to the organization that originated the grocery store hustle. I'm Becky Watson. I'm the public relations coordinator for the Salvation Army, which serves Southern Nevada. My name is Juan Salinas, and um, my title is Homeless Services Coordinator. And I work at the Salvation Army Owens Campus at 35 West Owens. Yes, that's right. The Salvation Army, a grassroots ministry that began in 1865, founded by William Booth and his wife, Catherine, with a focus on helping people that could not help themselves. The Salvation Army offers many programs for those that are in need of assistance. But for this episode, we're going to focus on the programs that provide meals for those in the Las Vegas area that are considered food insecure. So every afternoon at 1.30, 365 days a year, every single year, we have a community meal. Now that community meal serves the homeless population. It serves our neighbors that are just in need, but you know, they have a home, but they're still in need. And really anybody that wants to drop by can, can have a meal. We do serve four meals on a daily basis. The cost on the other meals is would be $4. So they pay $4. A lot of people use their EBT card um, to buy their meal because it's a lot cheaper. They get a lot more for their money. Um, and so they'll choose the EBT card or they pay cash and they're able to, um, to do it that way. And the amount of people that the Salvation Army feeds on a daily basis is quite staggering. Um, and as far as uh, clients that we serve or people that come in, we it can vary from um, a thousand meals in one day. Uh, but our free meal that is between 1.30 and 2.30 that is served every day, that is no cost at all, um, that w can vary between, you know, it can go between two um, to 500, 500 on, a, on a free meal. Now, like my friend Charles, in order to feed people besides yourself, it takes partnerships and cooperation from people outside of your organization. We have many corporate partners at various levels and through various uh, sites that we have throughout Southern Nevada. We've got uh, small in large companies, Family Dollar Store. It's apples that just started getting their volunteers out here. One of the partners that we're directly involved with and helps us out a lot is Three Square. United Airlines that is sponsoring a meal. Caesar's Pizza. Subway law firms like the Richard Harris Law Firm, along with about a hundred other partners and donors. And, and they'll give me a call and say, what can we do? Now, for those of you 
who have been gracious with your time during the holidays, please know that the Salvation Army are very grateful what you do. However, still another 363 days of the year that people need to be fed. Well, you know, it, it usually if, d during Thanksgiving and Christmas, we'll see a, a bunch of volunteers that come in. We can probably have up to 500 volunteers, you know, and, you know, they go, oh, there's nothing for us to do, but there's so many volunteers. But during the year, that's when we, it's the hardest because you don't see that interest. It's not there. Or they think, ah, we don't need to be there. And they don't realize that we serve these meals you know, 365 days a year. And no matter if it's a holiday or not a holiday, uh, we are serving the meals uh, for the homeless. Food insecurity is a problem that faces many Americans. But in Clark County, the number is quite high. There were one in about every six struggle with food insecurity. And that's one thing that that you know, but that's not something that the general public really understands. Now, food insecurity is not a problem that is just for families or children that were in the situation that Charles was in. The plethora, really, of Southern Nevadans that are struggling with food insecurity, and you talk about it's one in every six, that's your neighbor. That's more than likely a family member, a neighbor, a friend, and you may never know, but that's why we're here to help them. They may find it very uncomfortable to come to you as a friend or as a relative or as a co-worker, but that's why we're here. We do see families that come in um, that they, you know, I, I, there was a gentleman that was here. There's actually two people that I've seen on a regular basis, a gentleman with his son that is unemployed. Uh, and so he's trying to get everything fixed and arranged and everything through his unemployment, but he can afford and he'll get money from family where he can afford the $4 to pay for him and his son, and they come and eat here. Now, at this point of the story, you may be thinking that you can just load up your car with bottles of water and fresh sandwiches. However, there's a better way. We suggest that people just basically come and either help us serve the food um, or even, you know, work with us as far as doing that. Day. The majority, the, the main thing is, is, for security reasons, you never know what's out there. And for your protection, it's just better to be in a secure spot uh, because you don't know if somebody out there on drugs or whatever. And if somebody thinks it's a good thing to just come and give 50 Happy Meals. But if you go out there and then they start fighting, then you have no way of controlling that. The other thing is, is when you serve out in the public, they'll eat it and just throw the trash out in the sidewalk. You know, so somebody has to come out and clean that. You know, and it's better in some ways to just donate the money because we get more for the buck than somebody else will, will as we work with uh, um, Three Square Food Bank, you know, and we're able to buy food at a cheaper cost than at a grocery store when you go and buy it. You know, we had uh, somebody that says, well, I'll just bring you, you know, 12 turkeys, you know, or whatever, instead of giving you the money. But for that money that she spent, we, we were probably able to buy you know, 30 turkeys. It's a lot cheaper and feed more people and, and be able to be uh, better in working with that. Maybe you don't have the money to be able to go out and donate a bag of food but maybe you've got an hour. Maybe you've got an hour to ring the bell during Christmas. One hour of ringing the red kettle bell at Christmas will feed a family of four for a week. So when we say your time means a lot and does a lot, it really does go back to our tagline of doing the most good, that it really does mean an hour of your time 
does a lot of good. Now, in order to help people, you have to take your message to the streets. And if you are like many of the tourists that visit our fair city, you may have found yourself in the downtown area, sitting on a bus bench, nursing a hangover, or trying to figure out where the night went. However, those bus benches and the trash cans located right next to them or where the residents of the street go to for food. And that is where the Salvation Army delivered their message. So the program that you're referring to with the stickers was, it was stickers, it was bus signage, it was billboards all around the downtown area. Because we know that that's where people would be looking for food and making them aware that, hey, if you're hungry, come to us. We'll make sure that you are fed. Uh, you don't have to look at the trash cans to look for food. Uh, we'll make sure that you get something that's nourishing uh, uh, to your body. So we did that. Um, we went out on just around our neighborhood right here and gave out invitations to say, hey, come. It's, it's on us, and we're here to, to serve you. But the message always has to remain the same. The focus, the words, and the images. To get people out to help, to donate, takes an effort. And Becky does a great job at coordinating both. The main tone and main message is getting out the basic mission of the Salvation Army. And we are here in support of the community. We're here to help those individuals that, for whatever reason, are unable to help themselves at, at any point in time. That's why we're here. To do that, we need the help of the other community members. So in reaching out to those, to answering those phone calls when they do call in unsolicited and say, what is it that we can do? Would this help you? Absolutely, but it's not helping us. It's going through us, but it's really helping their neighbor. So best ways to reach out to the Salvation Army and wanting to volunteer or wanting to donate is go to our website at SalvationArmySouthernNevada.org. You can call our administration office at 702-870-4430. Uh, you can talk to the person that answers the phone and she can direct you or you can call me directly and but through that number and we can get you where you need to go we can help you our our mission here is to answer the calls right and and really it's answering the call i want to thank you for taking the time to listen to episode one the hustle of our podcast grain to plate from here we plan on exploring food beyond the headlines, and beyond the hashtags. We want to take a very deep look into our current food culture. Now, during the recording of this podcast, my family lost someone very important to us, a woman that gave me and my mother an opportunity to stave off homelessness. So please listen to a brief audio tribute to one Carol Arnold. The only radio station for the adventurous sailor. Today, my nautical friend, strong breezes from the south, which will easily help push you and your ship to its desired destination. From down Bottom of the night, base is loaded. Dodgers down by four. And here comes the three-two pitch, and it's gone. The Dodgers win. Dodgers win. Warm up the organ and play the song. 
And this dedication goes out to Carol. Your family and friends want you to know how much you are loved and missed. They have enjoyed every moment of the journey and love you dearly. Safe travels, young woman. We miss the burger. Again, thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. And because this episode was so personal, the contributors of the show allowed me to go solo. So today's show was produced and hosted by myself, Jonathan Tatum. And also, we have to give a big special thank you to one Shannon Kaysen of the Homemade Stories podcast, who took the time to speak with us, give us wisdom, direction, and help us get off our feet. So thank you, Mr. Kaysen. Keep up with the stories. Keep up with the passion. And just keep being you. We'll be back in a couple weeks with episode two, 99 Cents from Hunger, where we explore the hidden good that a discount retailer does while buried in negative perceptions and unfriendly hashtags.